So there's been a famous photo uh, circulating the internet of a team of paratroopers. And on the one side of this photo is uh, the men when they were younger. So the black and white half of that. I don't know if you all got a clear view of it, but there's a black and white half. And that side is, are, are these individuals in 1944, before they jumped from the plane into Normandy in World War II. And of course, on the left side, as you'll see, that's them today. Um, and they're sitting across from their younger selves who are on the other side of the plane. And when I look at this photo, I'm really amazed by this. It's so inspirational in many, many ways. But what I take from it particularly, I look at the man on the right side, and I think about the implications of what's about to happen. These gentlemen have smiles on their faces. They look excited to be with one another and to embark on this journey. Even though what they're about to parachute into is a war that would claim the lives of 20 million soldiers and a total of 75 million people. So why would they be anything but frightened at a moment like this? C.S. Lewis once said, since it is so likely that children will meet cruel enemies, let them at least have heard of brave knights and heroic courage Otherwise, you're making their destiny not brighter, but darker. I think these men on both sides of the photo, but particularly looking at the right side, they saw themselves as the brave knights who were about to liberate the world from a cruel enemy. They knew that their lives would be at risk, but they saw the big picture. Now, I was planning to wrap up the book of Philippians chapter 2 uh, this week, but as I got reading deeper into it, I found that there are definitely some more gems that we need to dig into. As we left off in verse 11, and the verses leading up to that kind of steal the show for most people in Philippians chapter 2, as it talks about the character of our Lord Jesus Christ and his humility and how we're to exemplify that humility in our own lives. But as I kept on reading through Philippians chapter 2, and I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to wrap it up with one more message, I decided we need to take a little bit more time in it to discuss what it has to say to us. As we just read in verses 12 and 13, it says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. <clears throat> now, if you are anything like me, you probably get hung up on that phrase, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In fact, I remember a movie that I saw a while back that uses this quote at the conclusion of the movie, kind of to instill Fear, to scare the person who was watching the movie. Many would say this verse is saying, be good little boys, be good little girls, or you will lose your salvation. 
So be fearful and on edge at all times. <laughs> Doesn't that just send chills down your spine to think that at any moment your salvation could be gone like that? But if we study this verse in its entirety, we can see that it starts with a very important word. Therefore. Verse 12 starts off with the word, therefore. As lots of the pastors I listen to like to say, whenever you see the word therefore, you have to ask, what is therefore, therefore? And uh, so we have to look back a little bit to see what leads up to these verses. And of course, as we discussed already, it's talking about the humility of Jesus Christ and his obedience. And when we read these verses leading up to verse 12, what it says is that Christ humbled himself and became obedient, even to the point of death on a cross. That's bone-chilling right there, that his obedience led him to suffering and death on a cross. That should scare us a little bit. In fact, last week was Easter. Remember Good Friday, Monday, Thursday, that Jesus Christ himself was sweating like drops of blood because of the anxiety he was going to, even saying that he was, uh, that his soul lamented to the point of death because of what he was about to go through. So when we think about these verses, I think that's something we need to keep in mind. That God might lead us places that we don't necessarily want to go. But, having said that, those verses are not the end of the story. He was obedient to the point of death on a cross, but God also exalted him higher than any other name and gave him glory and majesty and that, following that, after we see that every knee would bow to Jesus Christ, then it says, therefore. And it's therefore what it's telling us. It's saying, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There might be some situations and times that might make you a little bit afraid. But remember the promises and the, remember the 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 rewards that Jesus Christ himself received, and remember that you are going to share in the inheritance of Jesus Christ. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose, as it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. So God's at work inside your heart, and we need to trust him that his work will be completed inside of us. Recently, I had the opportunity to watch the movie The Pilgrim's Progress. It's a great film based on the book by John Bunyan. And in the film, the main character's name is Christian. And he's on a journey to find what is called the Celestial City. He came to what was called the Swamp of Despondency, and he got stuck in it. A good man came along and braced herself for his name. His name is, For I Have Come. That's his name. And he came and rescued Christian, who had, fallen, uh, who had fallen into the swamp. He told Christian, who was standing there with mud all over him from this pit, 
that it looks like mud, and it sticks like mud, and it will keep a person down like mud. But he revealed what it really was, was the fears, doubts, and discouragements of this life. He said that most people give up here at the swamp of despondency even before they really begin their journey. That's what we look like sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> like we are just stuck in the mud before we even begin. All around us is gloom, doom, sadness, and misery. And that's exactly why Jesus Christ came into the world. When we were still sinners, he died for us. He conquered death on a cross, and salvation is for all who believe. But the question remains, what are we to do with all the sin and uncertainty around us? Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9 say, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. A man by the name of Dr. Frank Wright wrote an article recently titled, as the theme goes on, Celestial Perspective, Easter Hope for Uncertain Times. And this is a quote from his article. It says, how are you dealing with the turmoil and uncertainty of these days? For, thumb, for some, this is a theological question. Some see the, see the clear imprint of the end times in our current events. Maybe so. We should always be ready to walk outside and see Jesus coming on the clouds of heaven. Today may well, today may well be the day. History, however, gives me pause. 82 years ago, World War broke out in Europe. If Hitler did not look like Antichrist back then, I'm not sure who would. The war's end revealed 50 million dead with extraordinary and widespread suffering for the survivors. But rather than Christ coming in the clouds, the rebuilding and prosperity following the war set the stage for worldwide evangelization on a scale never before seen. And so what's he saying right here? It was a difficult time. It was a horrible time. And yet we did not see the big picture of what God was truly trying to accomplish through this war and the events that would follow. I believe the author of this quote was teaching us what we can find in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 9. It says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting 
anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The parachickles we talked about at the beginning of this message were smiling as they went into battle. They knew that they were doing the right thing, even though they did not know the outcome of that war. The reality is, and the blessing is, we know the outcome of this war that we are always in, uh, in this life. So, be encouraged. God has you on his mind. His goal is to get you to his celestial city. Please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to reflect on your promises, on your plan, on your mission in this world, Lord, that is not centered around even us as individuals or even us as a collective, but your glory, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that you have been so gracious as to choose us out of the world to reflect the goodness of your Son, Jesus Christ. Despite the cruelty of the enemy, despite the cruelties that people exercise upon each other inside this lifetime, Lord, you have called us to be gentle. You've called us to be kind. You've called us to be charitable. You've called us to be salt and light in this world so that people would be able to see the goodness of our God. Thank you, Lord, for choosing us. Thank you, Lord, for sending us. And thank you, Lord, for the harvest that indeed will come. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.